0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. So if the ushers want to come up and prepare the offering, I'll pray for that, and we'll get started. God, thank you for today, and thank you that we could be here. Uh, thank you for nice weather thank you for Sun thank you for Sun later in the day um, please bless the the offering that everyone gives today and you know just I just ask that you multiply whatever everybody puts in you know if somebody puts in a dollar use your math and make it four or five and just help us to keep advancing your kingdom amen all right couple announcements so first of all my name is Nathan Reed um, I'm Filling in for Ryan this week, well, he gets a week off, so everybody gets a week off sometimes. This is his, so it's nice that he can be at home, have a week where he's not having to prepare a lesson, and just relax and enjoy himself. So it's good to rest and relax. Um, my kind of day job around here is taking care of the junior high kids. So my wife and Ted Winkler are in there taking care of them today, so they're in good hands, I think. Um, Tracy, are they good with Ted? Is it okay? Yeah. Okay. She says, man, not <laughs> Um, and so that's what I normally do on Sundays, so it's good over there. We're still watching through The Chosen in that group over there. Now we've got a few episodes left in the second season, but it's, it's been really, really good to watch that with the, with the students and kind of talk about just a little different perspective on the story of Jesus and what goes on there. So um, one announcement for today. Uh, obviously, everything that I'm going to say in the announcements is in your uh, bulletin that you can read as well. But on Tuesdays, There is a uh, a soup meeting, so it's soup and messages and things like that, this week at 7 on Tuesday, and then Rose will be taking care of that one. So just wanted to have a reminder on that. Take a look at that. Um, It looks like it starts at 6 for soup, and it looks like the lesson starts at 7. Is that right? Awesome. Thank you. So enjoy that. Be there for that. Cool. All right. Well, it's spring, I think. Um, we had like a few days, right and then it was like not again and then it was again. and I think we're actually there now. I think we're going to stick in spring. Um, I'm super excited because one, we get to spend a lot more time outside now, right like winter here in Cincinnati. It's hit or miss. you get a couple good days during the winter, but normally you're stuck inside and it's dark, right? It gets dark at 4:30 here in the winter most of the time and that's terrible. Um, I love this shift of daylight saving time, not for like kids and not for the issue of like sleep for a week, but the light later in the evening is great. Like my watch tells me that the sunset today is at 7:50 p.m. It's awesome, because it means we can spend more time outside. Um, and I think that's great. So I would say we could get excited about the reds, but we can't, so we can just <laughs> move on from that. So it's, it's a new season for us, but not a new season for them. It's going to be going to be rough, right? Um, so one of my favorite things about spring is the plants that start to grow, right? Like, I have a bunch of tulips at home, and so those are starting to come up through the ground. I've seen uh, some of the flowers, I don't know what they're called, they're yellow ones, they're starting to get daffodils, there we go, I knew somebody was going to get, get that for me, uh, my neighbor has a bunch in their backyard that are just randomly growing. And I saw earlier this week, I could see that peak of yellow back there. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, there's color. My grass is starting to turn green. It's not brown anymore. So that's awesome, too. All of these things are starting to grow again. It's, it's ready. So springtime is the time where we emerge from our winter hibernation because we all kind of do it in one way or another. And, and I think this spring in 2022 means a little bit more than the ones in the past have for us. I mean, we've gone through a lot over the past couple of years, right? I mean, we have gone through it. Um, it was about this time in 2020 when everything shut down, right? If you remember, it was, I think sometime last week, I think was that two-year anniversary of that time. Um, I, I have TimeHop on my phone, which tells me like all the things that have happened in my past that I've posted about on social media, or I've taken pictures of. And I was looking this week and I saw a picture where I was in front of UDF and it was eight o'clock in the morning and I was just, I took a picture of the front of UDF and I don't know why I did it, but I remember now it's because I was like, man, this might be the last time that I can like go here for a while because are we gonna be able to go anywhere? What's gonna happen? So there's all that uncertainty, all that like, what is gonna happen? Oh my gosh, what's gonna go on? I mean, you know, back in March of 2020, could anybody have said, what would have gone on in the past two years? No, we didn't know what was gonna happen. We couldn't have expected anything that's happened over the next the past couple of years. It was hard, right? Super, super tough. It's been a very, very difficult two years. We've had things shut down from COVID. We've had worry. We've had friends and loved ones getting sick. We've had people that we know that didn't make it. We've had mental health, physical health, family health. All those things have not been in a great place at all for anybody all over the world. It's been super hard. And no matter how strong of a person you are or how strong the people are around you, it's been hard, even for the strongest person. But the thing is, is that all of us here today, we're all survivors of that. Everybody here? We made it through that two years, right? It was horrible. It was awful. And our church survived it too, Right? We are all still sitting here through all of that. It was a tough time for us as well. A lot of churches didn't make it. I mean, there are churches left and right that just shut down because they couldn't make it. They didn't, they, they, there was no way they could make it through. We did, right? Again, was it hard? Absolutely. Was it hard for you? Absolutely. But we're still here, we're back. And now it's that, it's that new time of spring. And so what spring is, for anything is this the time to grow, right? Over the winter, everything dies. In the fall, the leaves fall off, the plants die. You know, we go out and do yard work and we trim everything down so that once spring comes, it can all grow back again. And that's where we are right now. Like I was walking out of the house this morning, we have a rose bush that's in the front of our yard and I planted it um, a few years ago. I cut it down every year so that it can, again, grow in the spring. So I'm starting to see like the little red buds coming on it. We've got a a lilac bush in front of our house that I can't wait till it starts to bloom because it smells amazing. And so when the windows are open and that breeze is coming through, it just like air freshens my entire house. It's fantastic. So I can't wait for that to happen. Um, But I wanna kind of shift gears a little bit. So for me, where I grew up, I grew up in a pretty rural kind of farming community just north of Indianapolis. So literally my school district that I grew up in was the northern half of that county. So, imagine half of a county, one school district, kids drove 20 minutes to school and not because of traffic, because it was that far away. Um, But I've spent some time growing up, you know, doing some work in the fields and things like that for a huge farming company that's there. And every spring, you know, the farmers go out, they plow the fields, and you see the little corn and bean plants start to come up. That's what I grew up with. So, also, one other thing that happens in the spring is you get that sweet, sweet smell of natural fertilizer <laughs> made by cows. Anybody that's grown up near some fields, you know that smell. So I grew up with that smell, right? And, and you're like, oh, okay. Yes, it's springtime. It smells like poop. Um, <laughs> but I think looking at Jesus, right? Jesus knew a thing or two about plants and growing things. One, he was one of the dudes that was there when they made all of it. So that's one thing, Right? But all those people in ancient Israel, they grew plants, right? They had to grow to survive. It's not like they could go to Kroger and say, I want an apple. They had to grow the apple tree, and they had to get the apples. Or one of their friends had to grow the apples. It wasn't that you could just do all of that. There were markets and yes, all that kind of stuff, but you were in it, right? The food was grown close to you. We didn't have refrigeration. We didn't have, you know, food that could be stored in a grain silo for years and years. Yes, they had those, but it was different, right? And so Jesus knew a lot about plants and growth. So we're going to spend a lot of time in a lot of different passages of Scripture today. So I want to give you fair warning on that. You're going to be, the Bible's going to wear out or your phone's going to wear out when you type all these things in. So Matthew and Mark tell a really interesting and, and pretty curious story about Jesus and a fig tree. So there are stories in the Bible that I read and I'm like, what the heck does this one mean? And and there are sometimes I've gone to really smart people and and show them these these stories. I'm like, why would he do this? Like, what is God doing here? What is his point? There's a point in the Bible in Exodus, and you can go back and read it, where he like goes and tries to kill Moses for no reason. And I'm like, why would he try to kill Moses? He's like on his side. What's the problem here? And this is one of those stories where I'm like, what is he doing? Like, why would he do this? This is really weird. And so, but the story, it carries a super profound message, even though it's not readily apparent. To really understand, we need to dig into the background, right? So, leading into this, Jesus had had his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He's like, I'm here, I'm kicking everything off, we are ready to go. It is go time for Jesus, right? Before that, he was kind of hanging out in the background in smaller towns, but now he's going into Jerusalem and saying, hey, I'm here, I'm the Messiah, I am the man, let's go, right? So we're into this. He's going to go in and cleanse the temple, which means, you know, tipping tables over, all that kind of stuff, and we'll get to that and talk a little bit about that. So he's preparing to do these things, which are super, super public. Everything in the past has been a little more private or a little more small-town kind of feel, but it's this coming-out party, right? So it's going to push the relationship he has with the Sanhedrin, which Sanhedrin are the religious lawmakers, basically, and the people that eventually kind of put him on the cross, right? So it's going to tax that relationship. They've already kind of been watching him and saying, hey, let's watch out for that guy. I don't know what he's doing, but I don't like it, right? It's different. So the gospel writers want to understand, or I guess want to ensure that we interpret this incident they're about to talk about in light of Jesus driving the money changers out of the temple. So we're going to flip back and forth and kind of look through a couple things here. So there's a story that Jesus tells about a fig tree. But it's a real story, I should say. It's not a story. It's a thing that happened. Or Matthew talks about it. So he places this right after Jesus cleanses the temple. Mark, one of the other gospel writers, frames it a little differently. He wants to ensure that we know why this image that we're about to talk about is so critical. So he bookmarks Jesus cleansing the temple with this story. So now, does it matter what order these things happened in? No. Right? Right? Does it happen before? Does it happen after the temple? More likely than not, this story that I'm about to read happened before Jesus went in and cleansed the temple, kind of like an on-the-way thing. So Mark 11, 12 through 14. So it says, the next day they were leaving Bethany. Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Okay, so, Jesus walking down the road, it's not time for fruit on the tree yet. And he gets mad that there's no fruit on the tree. This is what perplexes me always when I read this, because I'm like, "Why, why? Like, you know. You know that there should not be figs on this tree yet, and now you're mad that there's no figs. Like, was he hangry? He wanted a snack, right? But, like, what, what is his deal? Like, what happened here? It's very similar to, you know, to me when God's, like, chasing after Moses to kill him for no reason. I'm like, he was your guy. Like, what's going on here? And so this one really is, is perplexing. When you read it, you're like, why would he do this? There's nothing wrong with that tree. That tree was doing what it was supposed to do, but he killed it. Why? It's really weird. And so let's look at the next portion here. Let's look at where he goes with this, right? Because remember, Jesus is walking, right? Walking, walking, walking. They're going from one place to another, and they're walking in and going to get to the spot where they're in the temple. So Mark, right after this, and I think this is important. When you read the Bible, kind of a tip I'll give you. This is free advice today is when you go read a passage in the Bible, look at the stuff around it. Don't just say, John 3.16 says this, right? Okay, John 3.16 says this, but what's it talk about before? Let's read the paragraph before. Let's read the paragraph after. Understand where Jesus is going and where God is going with these passages rather than just taking one and saying, got this, I got it, we're good, right? Because there is a lot more depth and it's a lot more rich when you read everything around it. So anytime I come to teach, I might think, hey, I want to talk about this idea. I'm going to read maybe the chapter before. I might read the chapter after. See, what context are we in here, right? So when we go, in a second, to Jesus going into the temple, turned over all these tables and everything, understand that this is what happened right before that. So, I don't think it's just Jesus having a bad day. You know, it's not gosh, I'm hungry, curse you tree, mad at the temple. I don't think that's it, right? I think there's a purpose to this. I think he's doing something here. So let's, let's read it and understand. So Mark eleven fifteen 15 through 19. So we're just continuing here. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, "'Is it not written?' My house will be called a den or my house? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. So, I think a lot of us have heard this story tons of times, you know? The one time Jesus gets mad, the one time he gets angry, he goes in and does all this. That's the perspective we take on it. But maybe let's take a different perspective on it today. Not that he wasn't angry, not that he did not have righteous justification for what he did there. Let's think about maybe why he did it in the context of what we're about to see here. So Jesus called these people out publicly. The Sanhedrin, are those teachers of the law and all that kind of stuff that were ready to kill him? Yep, he certainly got their attention. But I want want you to see here, though, it's not because they necessarily, like, disagreed with him or anything like that. It doesn't say that. It says, for they feared him because the crowd was amazed at their teaching. So one of the things the Sanhedrin did is they wanted to control the Jewish people, right? They were Jewish people, but they also wanted to have control, right? So they guided everybody. They made a bunch of rules. They said, this is the way you have to live. This is what we're going to do. Jesus comes in. Remember all those laws and rules that we had before that we don't have to do anymore? Right? We don't have to sacrifice doves anymore, as far as I know. They did, right? Jesus is coming in and advocating for not doing that anymore. Do you know where that hurts? The Sanhedrin? Right in their back pocket, right? Because if we're not sacrificing doves, they're not getting a cut anymore. If we're not following all these rules, they lose their power. That's why the Sanhedrin feared Jesus. Not necessarily because they disagree with him. Maybe they did, right? But really their fear was their loss of control. And so they're like, oh man, dude's coming in. He made a really public point. And he may have a point here because we are being dishonest. Now we're scared, let's kill him, right? So that's what's going on here. That's where we're moving. So Jesus was also not just calling them out for being dishonest. He had a bigger agenda here by announcing some prophetic judgment, and we'll get to where that comes from. It's judgment on the temple and the purpose of the temple. We all know Jesus kind of abolished a lot of the temple life and things like that that we used to have. So what Jesus knows (coughs) later is not only will the practices in the temple that were wrong be corrected, the temple's going to be gone right? Done, over with, gone. So, I think it was 70 AD is when the temple ceased to be, right? Not super long after Jesus was here and gone, right? He knew that was coming. So, later, Jesus explains the whole situation to the disciples. He does it in a way that only Jesus does to kind of leave us with questions at the end, right? So, Matthew 24, 1 through 2. Jesus leaves the temple after all this happened, Connolly walks away and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call attention to its buildings. So the temple complex is what we're looking at here. Everything that's there, like, oh, look at all these buildings, man. Do you see all these things, he said? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Cool. So that's a fun way to leave, right? You're walking away from a building, like, hey, this thing is going to be torn apart soon. And not just like a little bit, like a lot. If you look around you in here, see all the cinder blocks on the walls? Stones. Not one of these will be left stacked upon the other one, right? Every one dismantled completely, right? The term that Jesus uses when he's in the temple, he calls the temple a den of robbers, a den of thieves. So when we think about that, I think we think, hey... There's these dudes here, they're doing bad stuff. This is a bad place. You're doing bad things, right? So think of the the term den. What do you think of when you hear the term den? And you can shout it out. A cave? Dark dark, dark place? place? Wolves, Wolves, animals? Cozy? Cozy? Private? Dark Dark and wet? So we got a lot of things, right? A lot of things. So we'll get back to that in a minute. But I want to let you know where this comes from. So again, going another step just a little bit deeper into what Jesus says. So when you have a Bible, whether it's on your phone or if it's a physical Bible, when you read through, sometimes you'll see a little footnote, right? So in this passage where Jesus calls them out and says, den of robbers, I I imagine I, I didn't check this myself, so forgive me if I'm wrong. That around that den of robbers language, there is probably a footnote that refers you back to a passage in Jeremiah. So I would encourage you when you're studying the Bible and you're reading things, go back and read those sections. Really dig into it and study and say, okay, he called the temple a den of robbers. Okay, great. Does that mean what I think it means? Where did that come from? Why is he doing that? Because if you remember, Jesus was a Jewish man. He grew up Learning and being so well versed in everything in the Old Testament whether it's the first five books of the Bible the Torah or the prophets right? So we're going to go here to Jeremiah Jeremiah was one of the prophets which Jewish people at the time would know very very well what Jeremiah had to say Jeremiah if you read it he's not super happy and he's one of the prophets that you're like okay you're calling us out I'm not super comfortable with this but we're going to go And there are always people needed like that in the world. So Jeremiah 7, 9 through 11. It says, will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name, and say, we're safe. Safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching, declares the Lord. Okay. So now we're getting somewhere with this den of robbers, right? Means something a little bit different when you look at it in Jeremiah's context. You can say, okay, den of robbers, that's not just a little cave. That's not just like a place where they can do their business, right? You read that in Jeremiah's time, you're looking at the temple being a place where things that we would interpret as way more evil were happening, right? You read here, stealing. That was happening, right, in Jesus' time. They were stealing from the people. They were using dishonest scales when they weighed things, stealing their money. But then there was murder, adultery, perjury, worshiping other gods. All happening in God's house. Understandably, he's upset about that, right? Because he's kind of jealous. He wants us only to worship him and no one else, right? So a den... A den is a safe place, right? If you think about, like, an animal, when they go in their den, they go in there because it's safe. If a snake retreats to its hole in the ground, that's its den, its nest, it's safe, right? Because if I'm chasing a snake and it goes in a hole in the ground, I'm done chasing that snake, right? It's going to be gone. It's, It's out of the way, right? Or if, like, any animal is running from another and they retreat into their den or their nest, it's a safe place for them. That's why they go there. It's a refuge It's a protected area. So Jesus wasn't simply saying here that the temple had become a place where robbers came to do robbing. It was a place where they became welcomed and safe. It's an entirely different story, right? So you think about it. It's one thing if somebody comes and burgles your home or steals your car and does terrible things with it. So I work in insurance, People steal cars, and they use them sometimes when they go on on benders or something like that. It's one thing if that happens in your car, right? It's another thing if you're saying, hey, come on into my car. Do all the bad things you want in my car because it's okay, right? Very, very different story. That was what the temple was. The temple became a place where people were invited in to do things against what God had to say, were allowed to do it, and were protected for doing it there. Big, big difference between coming in and doing something and it being a normal and regular practice. That's why Jesus was so mad. If it was something that wasn't normal and regular, would he have gone in and made this big of a scene? Maybe. But, like, this was what the temple was about. And so he's coming in and saying, like, nope, we are not doing this anymore. This is not what's expected. And he's coming in to correct everyone. And so I think it means a little bit more in that case. It's something a little bit different to think about in that story. So right after all this happens, right the next morning, Jesus and his disciples were walking out of town. They're leaving, they're like, cool, I think we've made enough people here mad, we've made our point, let's go before they actually do kill us before it's time. So they pass by this fig tree again. And here's what they notice. So Mark 11:20 20 through 21. In the morning as they went along, They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. When you think of the word withered, you don't think about like, hey, this tree just died yesterday and its leaves turned a little brown, right? I think of like an old dead tree that's like gray and shrunken and you can tell that it's been dead for years, right? We've all seen those. That's a withered tree and withered from the roots. There's nothing left of this tree. It's still standing there, but it's useless. It's worthless. It's dead, dead, dead. So they're kind of like, huh, man, you just cursed that tree yesterday, and it's like super, super dead now. Like, it's gone. Never, never to do anything again. Jesus kept up his end of the bargain there, right? No more fruit from this tree. Clearly not going to happen, right? No more fruit. So we've come back to this point in the story, Right? And I think we can see that Jesus was doing a lot more than knocking over some tables and killing a tree. Let's be honest, it's a normal Friday night for some of us, right? (laughs) It's so much more than that. Jesus is out here looking at the heart of things and understanding the safety that's been provided to evil in that time. I want you to hear that again. He wasn't here to kill trees and tip tables over, right? Any of us can do that. You know, God doesn't need to send his son to knock some tables over and kill a tree. doesn't. But he does need someone to call us out and look at our heart and look at the evil we allow. Everything that Jesus is about, it's all about bearing fruit. And it's all about the fruit we bear. During his ministry, he was all about ensuring that the church and the people in the church we're bearing fruit for the kingdom. He carries the message further when he uses the fig analogy in one of his parables. Again, you see figs, 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 figs. Like, okay, great, we get it, Jesus. You love figs. They were around, right? So he told this parable in Luke thirteen six through 9. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and when he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So the story's interesting, right? Still Jesus coming in with everything he knew about farming, growing plants, and how things worked. So it's the guy that owns a vineyard. If you own a vineyard, if you own land that you're trying to farm and it's not producing anything, that's a loss for you, right? You're wasting space for something that's useless and not doing anything for you. If you've got a business, you want to make money. You know, sometimes, yes, trees do take a couple years before they can get going, but you know, we're at year three here. This tree's doing nothing for me. Can I use this space for something better? Maybe. So let's figure that out. So He comes out and says, get rid of this tree. It's not doing anything. We're done with this. Let's move on. You know, then the other guy's like, hey, come on. Like, let's try really, really hard this year and let's see what happens. Give me one more chance. We don't hear the end of that story, right? You don't hear, hey, does this tree end up bearing fruit? Does it not? Do they cut it down? You know, we don't know any more than that. Jesus leaves us with this this snippet here, right? Let's look to John as well for a little bit more from Jesus about this. John 15, 5-8 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Here again and again and again, Jesus is reminding us, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. And if we don't bear fruit, there's consequences, right? Cut off and burned. Withers the fig tree, right? Kind of harsh images. So there's pruning that happens, right? That's what happens when you have dead branches on a tree, as it happens, you have dead, you know, dead branches on a bush, you prune it, and then it grows back better, right? Same thing with Jesus' body. He prunes things so they can grow back better and stay strong. God prunes his church. He prunes the body of churches all the time to allow for more growth. So sometimes when churches die, they die out to allow new growth in the area, right? Doesn't mean it's happy, right? I'm not always happy when I have to cut a branch off a tree in my yard, but I know that in the future it'll be better. So the moral here is to be effective or you're going to get moved out of the way to allow other people to come in to take up the space that you were taking up to be effective and to to bear fruit. So I think one of the reasons that our church is still here against all the odds that you can think of. I mean, I've been here for a long time in this church and people were telling us like, hey, don't do that. Don't, don't go to the west side because if you're not Catholic, you're not going to make it, right? <laughs> I mean, I've lived here since 2003, so I didn't grow up, but I understand. Like, I, I, I see, i like, yeah, it's a lot here, right? And I know that that was one of the things that was said to the people that planted this church, was like, don't do it because you're not going to make it, and we're here however many years later still making it, right? <coughs> so there are so many areas where this church goes far beyond its expectations and I don't think that's an accident I also don't think it's an accident that we're still here right because if we weren't bearing the fruit that God wanted us to bear where would we be? we'd be gone we'd be cut down we'd be out of here right make space for somebody else who's going to do it we're a space that's doing it so think about some things we do a huge one is the Monday night meals we have here for the folks in the community we might serve as many or more meals on a weekly basis than there are people in this room today. That's, that's going beyond, right? We got so many recovery and addiction groups that meet here regularly. Winning over addiction happens here. It's another way we win. The fruit this church produces is the fruit we're planted to produce. Healing, forgiveness, restoration. Do we have all the money? Nope. Sure don't. Do we have enough to make it? Yep. Sure do. Right? Do we have all the people? Nope. Do we have the right people and the people we're supposed to have? Yep. Right? So it's not about being a church with 10,000 people and a $4 million a year budget. It's not what it's about. It's about doing what you're planted to do. Is every tree an apple tree? Nope. So we're growing the fruit and bearing the fruit we're supposed to grow and bear. That's why we're still here. That's why we're still making it. So I'll tell you one thing for me. So I graduated from Cincinnati Christian University in 2007. So it's been been a little bit, right? I chose to stay here instead of going and getting a job in a church somewhere. You know why I did that? This is a place that I saw that was making a difference and bearing fruit. I can get a job, right? That's fine, right? Okay, I'll do something else. I would much, much rather be at a place that makes a difference than go to a church that I'm trying to prop up because it's dying, right? That was why I decided to stay here. That was why I didn't leave and and go and do that because it was, hey... and that was the right choice and it still is right because that's the point it's not the point to go and try to see okay I can be at a church with 200 people but then okay after that then I can prove myself and then go somewhere else and then do this and that like no I'm gonna go somewhere that's making a difference and doing the right things and stick around right so let's flip back one more time as we wrap up and check back in on the fig tree from back in Mark so right after all this stuff happened, again, Jesus never explains the whole story. He leaves so many things open to question. It was very abrupt. A lot of his transitions there, right? But here's what he says next in Mark. And I want you to read this. And again, understanding all of this in context, right? Because you see, we curse the fig tree. We do all the stuff in the temple. We give a sentence about the fig tree and see it as we walk back out of town. So Mark has Jesus wrapping up this encounter in Mark 11, 22 through 26, saying, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it'll be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in Heaven may forgive your sins. Jesus is saying here, he's telling us how to bear fruit, right? That's what he's telling us here. Because if you remember, curse the fig tree, go to the temple, dead tree. These are all the like what not to do. Let's shift to what to do. And here's what he's saying is, here's what you need to do to bear fruit. Here's how you stay in him. We ask boldly, God to do things. We ask for big things. We ask for impossible things. Can we throw a mountain into the sea? Can I pick up a mountain right now and throw it into the sea? No, I can't, right? Like myself, me as a person cannot do that, right? Could I pick up this church building and move it somewhere else? No, cannot physically do that, right? It's not, I'm not that strong, but God can, can do whatever he wants, right? So we also ask for miracles, right? We ask for those every day here, we get them, we see them. I mean, there have been tons of stories told up here. Tons of stories that you all have told that like, hey, this happened to me. And I mean, how many times I can't tell you that we've heard in here, hey, I should have died, but I didn't. Well, that's pretty awesome. That's a miracle, right? That's the kind of place this church is. It's not a church that's gonna have that 10,000 people in huge budget, right? We're just not. It's not what we are. But what we are is a place where people are gonna come in, they're gonna get their miracles, and they're gonna stick around and they're going to help people get theirs. We don't just ask for these things. We count on them, right? We count on miracles in this church. Now is our spring, right? We had a tough time the past two years with COVID. Okay, great. We got to move on. It's time to start growing again. You know, we may have had things that needed to be trimmed away from here, trimmed away over the past two years. Okay. Does it hurt when stuff gets trimmed away? Yeah, absolutely it does. But if it makes you grow and makes you better going forward, then it's absolutely the right thing to do. So the last thing I want to leave you with is this. I know we've gone through it. Some of us, we feel like little stubs in the ground right now. We feel like everything has been cut off. We feel like, okay, is it. Like there's no more pruning you can do to me. Like I am done. Like the rose bush I see in my front yard. I cut it down to like six inches above the ground, right? But it grows huge after the spring comes. Some of us feel like, eh, I only get a haircut. I lost one branch. I made it through pretty well. Okay, good. The time to grow is now. It's time to bear fruit. So I want you to think the choice everybody has before them right now is, are you going to bear fruit? And just remember, an apple tree grows apples. a Pear tree grows pears. That's what they're good at, and that's what they're made to do. Don't look at the fruit someone else is bearing and say, well... I can't do what they do. You know, I can't stand up in front of people and talk, so I'm not good enough. Well, no, that's not the fruit you're designed to bear if that's the case. That's fine. There are so many things that some of you do that I could never do. Just like you might not feel like you want to be up here. It's okay. It's the fruit you're designed to bear, the fruit you're designed to grow. I challenge you to lean super hard into what you're good and gifted at, what you're designed to do, and bear the fruit that you were designed to bear. Let's pray. God, thank you for today, and uh, thank you for the conversation we've been able to have today and the things that, you know, you're teaching me and that you're helping me teach other people. Um, Please help us to, if we don't understand the fruit we're designed to bear, to understand it. If we need to be pruned further, let us be pruned further. If we need to begin to grow and get out of the pruning phase, let us get out. Help us to grow. Help us to bear the fruit you designed us to bear. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Prayer team will be up here. Have a great week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.